Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and if you can, turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Let's dive on into the Say amen when you have it. Let's start at Acts chapter 2, verse 38, a very familiar portion of Scripture. And it reads like this. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. amen. Next, let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we are also, are compassed about with such great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doeth so easily beset us, And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. I love the joy that's set before us. There is joy that is set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That portion of scripture reminds me that everything that I do on this side of heaven is not in vain. On waiting for me in the future is a reward. And so today I want to preach this thing, this message today, and it's called running the race for Jesus. The sermon is called running the race for Jesus. If you can, let's put your Bibles down and let's lift up our hand and let's begin to ask the Lord to speak to each and every one of us this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, for each and every one of us and our guests here today. I pray, God, that you would touch. I pray, God, that you would speak to each and every one of our lives. And I pray, God, that we would draw something out of it. I pray, God, this morning that you would bring a change right here in each and every one of us. And like Pastor said, draw us closer to you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. Well, you may be seated. Before you be seated, why don't you just give somebody a high five by two or three people and say God is good. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I want to tell you this morning, the writer of Hebrews did nothing but paint a picture of what life is truly like. He begins to tell the audience that life is like a race. When I think about that, I think of back to my high school years where I played football and also I had the privilege to run track. And back then, I was a little leaner (laughs) than what I was back then. Excuse me, than what I am right now. I'm going to tell you, back then, 
I had the muscles and all kinds of things like that, and I ran the 100, I ran the 200, I ran the 400. Now, don't, don't, get, it, don't get it twisted, don't get it strained. I'm going to tell you, that same man with, you know, that had the bill back then is still right here. It's just inside of all this glory that you see right now. <laughs> you see, I ran those races, and I will never forget as I ran track in high school, each and every day, for me, I ran six days a week, whether if it was at school or whether if I had to go home from practice and run, I ran. But one of the things that I used to love to do so much is this, saints, is I used to love doing long distance running. You see, I was kind of short. I wasn't like the other guys who was on the cross country team. Also, at the same time I played football, I couldn't run cross country, but I love distance running. Why? It's because I love the challenge and I love running and watching everything that was around me. I would never forget as I used to run through this neighborhood, I would run up the hills and I would run down the hills. And every once in a while, you know, as you're running, we may have some runners in this place. You may get kind of winded. You may get kind of tired. But I remember the challenge being inside of my heart saying, you know what? Come on, Lawrence, push a little more, push a little harder. And so as I had to run up the hill, I would push myself to run up the hill. But I also remember at times in high school preparing for a track meet that as I stood all by myself on the track, everybody had gone home and it was just me on the track. I remember those days freshly in church. I was a freshman and I had just gotten the Holy Ghost and I was on the track and it was just, you know, my brothers and sisters and my mom living in the hood, living in the ghetto. And I would watch my friends, you know, their parents would come, you know, to the track meets and they would come to football games and they would cheer them on. And they would stand out there in the crowd. But I remember as I practiced, I would ponder some of those things, Pastor. And I not only pondered those things, you know, I also pondered life as I was running the race, as I thought preparing in my mind for the, the main race. But you see, Brother Galleon, as I was running the race, there was sometimes, it didn't happen all the time, saints, but I remember at particular times in my life as I was out there on the track in Magruder High School that all of a sudden I would hear a voice, a voice that would come so softly to me as I'm thinking about my life as a young person and thinking about the times of, you know, I'm struggling right now, God, and I'm just, I'm, I'm also praying as I'm running. I'm like, God, I'm, I'm just struggling right now, and I'm running on this track all by myself. But saints, I, there's one thing that I know about God, and it's this. As you're running the race in life, he will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never forget being on that track at 15 and, and 16 and 17 and 18, running on that track and all of a sudden hearing that voice saying, as I'm pondering those thoughts, Lawrence, it's all right. You're going to make it through. Keep pushing. Keep going forward. You see, the scripture is clear. When it seems like at times when father and mother may forsake you, the Lord knows how to take a person up and wrap them up in their arms, in his arms, and say, you know what? You are not alone. I am here with you. You're not running this race all by yourself. But if you continue to keep going forward, God's like, I'm always going to be here. And I realized that as a young person, running the race. You see, running the race, saints of God, also I realized that 
there are also three components about a race. And it's this, that there's always a beginning, there's always a point in time or a time frame of a race, meaning the race won't go on forever. There's going to come a time when the race will come to an end. And the last component is this, that there is an ending and there is a finish line. You see, when I think about running the race for Jesus, I think about, you know, that starting line. And so the question is this for each and every person in this room. When do we start the race with God? There's some people that think that starting the race is when you take your first breath as a child. But I want to tell somebody, I believe the first time when we step foot into the race across the finish line is the day we decide to repent. You see, the day when we decide to repent is the day when we take our first step past that starting line and we are engaging into the race. You see, in order to start the race, somebody has to make a decision that they're going to turn to the line and go. You know, you see, what is repentance? Repentance, in essence, is this. It's more than just asking God to forgive you. But repentance is doing nothing but making a conscious decision, saying that, you know what? I am going to turn away from what I know is sinful and what I know is wrong, and I'm going to turn my eyes towards Jesus Christ, and I'm going to follow after him. You see, I want to tell you, when you start the race with Jesus Christ, what you're doing that day when you come to an altar and you repent, you're saying to heaven and you're saying to God that day that, Lord, today is the day where I commit to the race. Today is the day, Jesus, where I step forward and no longer will I just be by myself. But, God, I'm going to run this race with you. And so I am turning my eyes to you. turning our eyes to you when we repent. And so the next portion of the races or the next step is once we step past that line, we all know, which is like Peter said in Acts 2.38, is getting baptized in Jesus' name. That's the next step as we start the race. So the next step is how can I say receiving the Holy Ghost, speaking with the evidence of other tongues, God touching your life. And then the next step is as you're walking with Jesus is following after his word and walking and living in his word each and every day, allowing your life and my life to, how can I say, align up with his word. That's the starting line. For some folks in this room this morning, I want to tell you, you have not made the decision to start the race yet. Meaning for some of us this morning, whether if you're new or if you've been coming to Calvary Tabernacle for years, there's some of us that just say, you know what, I'm, I'm not ready to start the race yet. You know, we haven't repented and, and dedicated and committed and said, God, I'm turning to you yet. But I want to tell you this, don't wait too long to make the decision. Why? Is Because the second component of the race is this, is there is always a time frame in a race, meaning the race of life is not going to go on forever. At some point, this race in life with Jesus Christ is going to come to an end. And we don't have very much time as we look into the news. And so that brings me to my next and last component of the race. And it is this, that there is a finish line. There is a finish line, saints. Brother Matt, there's a finish line. Everything that you go through in life it's going to be worth it all because of the finish line. 
you see at the finish line. When, this, when, when does the finish line happen for each and every one of us? I'll tell you. The finish line takes place in our lives is the day that we draw our last breath. It is a day when we close our eyes to this side of heaven and we open up our eyes into a glorious heavenly reward called heaven. The second component is this, is this. If we don't pass away, whoo, I can't wait for the day for when that trumpet puts his lips, when the angel puts his lips on that trumpet and he begins to blow. All of a sudden the dead in Christ are going to rise first and they which shall remain, we shall ever be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. I'm going to tell you when that day happens, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to step on the streets of gold. I'm going to dance. I'm going to shout. Why? Because everything I went through in life is worth it all. The shame, the heartache, the pain, the prayers, the tears, it will be worth it all. You see, when I get there past that finish line, saints of God, one of the things that I want to see is, yes, I want to see the gates of pearl. I want to see the walls of jasper. I want to walk and skip down next to, you know, that crystal shore. But I'm going to tell you, there's one thing that seems to be the centerpiece of all of heaven. And one day I'm going to stand before him and see his face and his name is Jesus. I'm telling you, I'm running the race right now. So one day I can see his face and stand in glory and see him as he is. I want to see him as he is. But this is the thing that I understand also. Saints, before we get there, Paul says it like this in Hebrews, that there were a few things, if we're not careful, that can easily beset us. There are some things that can, if we're not careful, that can easily, how can I say, make us stumble or get us off track. And I want to talk about those things. He calls it sin and weights. Thank you, sir. Come here, Landry. Come here. You see, good young man, running the race for Jesus. You see, hold that. What this is, <laughs> that's what you call my bag of media. If you're not careful, what media can do for you, saints of God, it can weigh you down. It can weigh you down in certain ways. How? It's because if we're not careful, we will find ourselves being more focused on what's on our iPads and our screens and totally forget about our family. If we're not careful, saints of God, our media, our devices can rob us of the time with our children. And ultimately, if we're not careful, media can rob us of our time of prayer and reading the word. You see, there's so many people right now that are addicted to media. Meaning they can't put their phones down if they're on their job. They can't put their phones down when they get home and they're sitting on the couch. Why? It's because they're constantly looking at the device. Their eyes are constantly having to be fixed on the device. And we're hooked on the device. And so another thing that takes place is this. If you're not careful, you can find yourself depressed because of media. Why? It's because when we look on Facebook and we look at TikTok, we look at everybody, how good they look. We look at that one brother who's got bulging muscles. It's in there somewhere. But uh, 
We look at that young lady, it seems like she's got a size four, size two, you know, waist. And what do we do, Pastor? We begin to compare ourselves to the person on the screen. And what, what happens is this. This is the trap sense of God that the enemy tries to use with media. We begin to compare ourselves, and then we say, you know what? I got to go on a diet. I need to go on the Atkins diet. I need to start, you know, I need to go to the gym. There's nothing wrong with going to the gym, but I know I need to go there a few times a week. But anyway, but we start worrying about, you know, I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to just pump all this iron. And we realize after doing all those things that we can't attain those things. And when we realize that everything that we've seen on that iPad or we've seen on Facebook that we can't attain, all of a sudden, depression begins to sit on us. It begins to rest on our minds because we realize the reality is we cannot be like those people on the screen. I want to tell you, everything that you see on Facebook and everything that you see on TikTok is a pseudo world. Why? Because when you begin to compare that individual on the screen to their everyday life, you begin to find out that those two things are contradictory. You begin to find out that that person took that video or that person took that picture on their best day. But when you look at their everyday life, they're hurting just like every other person. So why try to be like them? When people begin to compare yourself to those folks on the screen, all of a sudden, as you're running the race with Jesus, you can become weighed down. Bring my next one. Here's the next weight that we got to be careful of, saints. Oh, he's going to get a workout today. <laughs> he's a strong, strong young man. But this right here, It's called my weight of friendships and relationships. You see, if you're not careful, you can connect and team up with some friends that won't point you to God. But they'll become that, how can I say, that stumbling block for your life. They'll cause you to slip, cause you to fall. Question, how can we identify those people? or that type of person, easily. If you find yourself listening to a conversation with an individual, and every time you have a conversation with them, all they talk about is something negative. Oh, my husband, my no good husband. <laughs> he ain't no good. My boss, he's always on my back. I try my hardest as I play on my iPhone. You know, my kids, they just acting crazy. They just acting crazy. They just running around. Look, Billy, get back over here, Billy. I done told you. <laughs> if all they seem to talk about is something negative, that person may just be a weight in your life. Here's the next thing. If, if you've talked to a person or talked to a friend and you walk away and you feel like, oh, man, I've been dumped on. Maybe that person may be a weight in your life. You see, the right type of friend will encourage you. The right type of friend will get up in the middle of the night and call you. Or if you text them, they'll pick up the phone and text right back to you and say, how you doing? 
and we'll pray for you. You know what? Here's one of the greatest things. I know he didn't ask me to say this, but I'm going to say it right now. Last night, we had a young person who, uh, who had a group text, and he was having some medical issues. And all of a sudden, as I'm in bed, I'm about to lay down. It's close to about what? Sweetheart, would you say it's about 11 o'clock, close to 12? It's about 11 o'clock, close to 12. And I didn't even see my phone. My wife all of a sudden says, sweetheart, somebody just texted you. And all of a sudden, I looked down at my phone. And pastor was on the text, and he quickly got to it before me and said, young person, he said, buddy, we're going to pray for you. That's the type of pastor and the type of friend that you want. A person that no matter what time in the night, they're going to pray with you. They're going to gird, gird, gird you up in the Holy Ghost and walk with you in life. Because you got to be careful. If you get the wrong one, it, it can become a weight in your life. Bring my next one. These are the bags that never end. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what my childhood was filled with. This bag right here. It's called the bag and weight of fear. You see, there's some people in this room and a lot of people outside of this room that are afraid to be alone. They're so fearful about being alone that to the point that, you know what we do sometimes if we're not careful? We'll go from one relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship. A young lady who's, who's afraid to be alone, she'll go from one man to the next man to the next man to the next one. And then a young man will, who's afraid of being alone for the rest of his life will turn around and say, you know what? He will go from the next young lady to the next young lady to the next young lady to the next. Why? It's because they're afraid of being alone. There's some people in this place and even outside of this place that, you know, they have a fear, a sheer fear of I'm just not good enough. I'm just not good enough. Or somebody has a fear of failing in life. But I want to tell you this. You know why you and I don't have to be afraid? It's because Jesus Christ died upon the cross. His blood no one could ever pay for. His blood is just that expensive. But I want to tell each and every one of you, if his blood was that valuable, he shed his blood to pay for each and every one of you in this place. And so if that's the case, you don't ever buy something really that's cheap or spend too much money on something that's cheap. If you're going to pay a lot of money for something, that means that that item that you're trying to pay for has a whole lot of value. And so I want to tell each and every one of you today, in the eyes of God, God looks at you and says, you have value. So you don't ever have to be afraid of being by yourself. Why? It's because Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I will be with you even until the end of the world. Amen. 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 You don't ever have to worry about if you're valuable enough. He took his valuable blood just to pay for you. What a mighty God we serve. Bring my next one out. 
Here's my next one right here. It's that bag of issues. Maybe failed marriage. Maybe somebody in this room, you're still wrestling, you know, with alcoholism, still wrestling with drugs, still wrestling with nicotine. You're still wrestling with those things. And you're just like, I have issues. I got financial issues. And, you know, Pastor, I got issues with my children. I've been trying to work with them. And I've been trying to get them going, not only just my little adolescent children, but my teenagers or my, my grown-up children. I've just got friction in my family. I've got friction with my children. And I've got a weight that's holding me down in the race of Jesus Christ. Christ. It just seems like it's a way. Bring my next one. <laughs> you ready for all this? Bring the next one. <laughs> you ready? Okay. This one right here is a bag of hurt. Bag of hurt. You're going to be like your no good daddy. You're going to never amount to anything. Hope I didn't break that. You're never going to be anything in life. Maybe somebody at church, maybe not at this church, but at some church hurt you and you walked away. Oh, because you were hurt. And you carried it around. Next one. Bring it out. This is called unforgiveness. Bring the next one out real fast. This one, this is unforgiveness. You hurt me, I can never forgive you. I can never forgive you for what you said. Bring the next one out. I can never forgive you for what you said and how you treated me and how you hurt me. If you said that before to yourself or to another person or you said that to God, you're carrying a heavy load. Oh, would you say that out loud? I can't grab it. Oh, why? Because it's too much. He said, I can't grab it because it's too much. Uh, Bring my last one out. This one? This is our bag of secret sin. This is the thing that we don't tell anybody. You see, if pastor found out, we'd be humiliated. If our wife found out, we feel like she may leave us. You see, if our husband found out, he may do the same thing. If our children find out, it would crush your spirit. I think this is the heaviest thing that a person can ever carry. Why? It's because this, if you're not careful, this one just alone can be so heavy 
that you find yourself not walking into the house of God. Why? Because you're so weighed down with the secret sin that sometimes if we're not careful, even if we make it to the house of God, Pastor, it can be so hard just to do this. You see, saints, it could be so hard just to lift up our head. Why? It's because we know deep down inside that we're hiding something. Maybe there may be somebody in this room that says right now, you know what, preacher, I'm all good. Nobody can see what I'm doing. Nobody can see my bag. I'm all right. But I want to tell you this. There is someone that does see. He's got an all-seeing eye. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere at the same time. And he sees everything that we do. Even though he loves us, he sees everything that we do. And we just can't get away. David said, if I ascend into the mountaintops, you are. If I make my bed in hell, you are. Yeah, you're right, it's too much. For somebody in this place right now, it is too much for you. There's times you may have dragged yourself in this church this morning. And if we can roll back or see what God sees, this is what your life feels like. You're so weighed down with fear. You're so weighed down with doubt. You're so laid down with secret sin. We can sometimes be just so laid down with the issues of life that it can be hard to lift up our hands. And call upon the name of God. It can be so hard to come into the house of God. But here's the last thing. Bring it out. Stand right there. Say, this man is Jesus. You see Jesus every service, moms and dads, saints of God. Every service he comes into this place, he's got a gift. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he said, his spirit is a gift. What is a gift, saint of God? A gift is something that you don't ever earn. A gift is something that somebody gives to you because they love you. And God comes in every service. He comes in his place every time that man preaches. And you pray to give you a gift. But here's the reality of the situation. If you're not careful in the race with Jesus Christ, you can get so weighed down that as Christ is trying to extend the gift to you, your hands are so full of stuff that you can't get a hold of it. You're so weighed down that when Jesus extends his gift, extends his peace, extends his love to you, his healing that you and I can't receive it. And what do we do sometimes? We walk right out that door still carrying the weights of sin and the weights of this world. But I want to tell you there is an answer today, saints of God. There is an answer today for your situation. I will tell you, Paul said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. I want to tell somebody, in order to look at something, you've got to take your eyes off of something else. 
Meaning you've got to turn your eyes and turn your gaze and focus and point your life in a whole new different direction. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like repentance to me. You see how we can get rid of all these things in our lives? We need to do something like this. God, forgive me for the junk God, the unbelief God, the fear of Jesus in my life. Drop it one at a time. We need to turn around and say, God, forgive me for my secret sin. Lord God, help me to forgive my mother, God, who left me. Help me to forgive my ex-husband, God, who's giving me problems. God, forgive me for the next thing. Forgive, just let it fall. Forgive me, God. Forgive me, Jesus, of all these things. Oh, saints of God, when you begin to repent and focus your eyes towards God and turn your life towards Christ, then at that moment, are you free enough to say, God, I'm ready to receive the gift that you have for me. I want to tell somebody this morning that there is a gift to be had, but today you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a decision and say, God, I'm going to let all these things go and pick up, God, what you have for me. Thank you, gentlemen. Oh, I want to tell somebody, hallelujah, I'm so happy for the Holy Ghost. I'm so thankful for God's Spirit. I'm so thankful that he can heal. I'm so thankful that he cared enough for me. To still reach for each and every one of us when we come into this place and we're still weighed down. Uh, He's got a gift that we can make a decision and reach for. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I'm not going to have three messages, three closing doors to this message. This is just going to be one. But uh, I'm going to tell you this. (sighs) Having the gift. (sighs) Having God in your life. I want to tell somebody is this, when you get the Holy Ghost, when you get God in your life, when God begins to fill you more, I want to tell you that there are more and different benefits that come along with the Holy Ghost. How do I know that's true? I believe Paul begins to write about it in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. And he says this, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace and in the Holy Ghost, meaning that there are more benefits to receiving the Holy Ghost. You see, when you receive it, what comes with the Holy Ghost is righteousness and peace and joy, meaning what is righteousness? It is a state of being right with God. You see, when you get the Holy Ghost, you align yourself up with God's will for your life. And what happens? You are in right relationship with God. So what that means is is when you close your eyes to this side of heaven, you can have an assurance deep down in your soul to say, I know exactly where I'm going. I know exactly where I'm headed. I've turned away from those things and I have righteousness. I've been walking with God. I've been living his word. I have righteousness in my life and I can also have peace deep down in my soul. If I were to die right now, I can have peace in my life. Why? Because I'm right with God. Because I let it all go. I decided to run with Jesus. And you can also have joy. Hallelujah. That's what's inside. 
That's what's inside of the gift. You can have so many things. You can have not only righteousness, peace, and joy, but there's love that comes with the gift. You see, greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for a friend. When Christ looked at you, he says, you are valuable enough to lay down my life because I love you. He said, I laid it down because I love each and every one of you. When you get the Holy Ghost, you get that. You also can get the healer who can bring healing. You can also receive joy and receive purpose in your life. All those things are in God. All those things are in God if we can stand. 